Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You see, you see where people are hungry, where people have an expectation, great things happen. Miracles happen where there's an expectancy. Miracles happen where there's gratitude. Miracles happen when there's honor. Hallelujah. And just while the word goes forth this morning, just know that, that the Spirit of God is here, working and moving and manifesting in your life. Hunger. I've been talking about desire. And I'm seeing a church full of people that have a desire for God. Amen. You know what? And your desire for God is contagious. It's contagious. Like, what, what are they so excited about? I, I, I would go to church with my parents from time to time, and there would be like a service going on like that, and I'm like, man, they're weird. But then I'd be like, I want that kind of joy. I want that kind of freedom. I want that kind of uh, uh, just that, that excitement that they have. Hallelujah. Talking about hunger. Luke chapter 6 says, blessed are those that hunger now. It's not, not next week. It's not yesterday. It's blessed are those that hunger now. So Jesus is speaking there, and that lets me know that, that Jesus is talking, and that must be, there must be people in the crowd that weren't hungry. Blessed are those that hunger now, for they shall be filled. That lets me know that not everyone will be filled. That lets me know that not everyone will be satisfied. That lets me know that not everyone will experience God at maximum level in their life. I don't want to go, this, this year be 30 years that I've made Jesus the Lord of my life. And I don't want, I'm so grateful that I'm not where I was 30 years ago. But if we're not sensitive or cautious, we can hear a phrase like, blessed are those that hunger for they shall be filled. And you say, well, I'm a Christian. No, it didn't say, blessed are those that are Christians. Well, we're, we're blessed because Jesus paid a price for us. We're, we're all on the same level as it pertains to redemption. We're all on the same level of, of the fact that, that Jesus died for my sins. He went to the lower parts of the earth that he paid a debt that I could not pay. And he rose again... And he took his blood and he poured it out on the mercy seat for all humanity. But you know what? Not all humanity will experience his, this salvation. It's a choice. But just because you may have said a salvation prayer and you're, in, and you're born again, that doesn't mean that you will experience all that he has for you. It doesn't mean that you'll fulfill you know, you fulfilling the purpose on your life is not going to be automatic. 
Paul said, I pressed towards the mark. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. You see, it's a, there, there's, there's something that's required on the heart of a believer, and, and it's really answering this question, how far do I want to go in God? How far, how much do I want to know about God? How, how much do I want him to use me? How much do I want him to flow through me? How much do I want to, to, to reach my world around me? How much do I want to do that? Because it's going to be de- dependent on your hunger. It's going to be dependent on your pursuit after him, after his word. It's not going to be automatic. It's blessed are those that hunger now. For they shall be filled. It's not everyone's going to experience this. How hungry are you? How much as a church do we want to impact our entire community? How hungry? How hungry are you to, to, to minister to those that you work with? How hungry are you? And if you're not hungry, say, Lord, make me hungry. I'm not satisfied with where I am. I'm not satisfied with where I am. Go to Acts chapter 3, and this is where we left off last week. Just to give a praise report, um, you know, last week we, we had received the offering for Kenya. And, you know, we, just, we, we didn't really know a whole lot about everything that was happening and taking place there. And we had Pastor Carla who came up, um, and she, she shared with us, what they were believing for and, and needing $25,000. Well, I want you to know, just last Sunday morning, you know, um, there was $24,315 came in. Amen. And that was just Sunday morning. And between the time we got to Wednesday, the $25,000 came in. So so as soon as I got off with the phone, phone with her on Monday, we wired the money to Africa. And, and so they, they should be delivering, taking that food uh, the early part of next week. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That, 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 speaks, that speaks hunger to me also. That, that speaks hunger. It's like, I, I, I want to be a part of what God's doing. Most of these, these, this, these southern parts of Kenya, these tribes, most of them have never heard the gospel one time. That's how far this is. But yet we have a part to play, and they're going to go out and scout the land, and we're going to, they're going to see how else can we bring the gospel there in a greater way. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you hungry? Now, this message that I'm going to vent in my heart all week came right at the end of the service when I thought I was going to close, and I ended up bringing people up to pray for. And the Lord said, I want you to minister on God's, my response to hunger. God's response to hunger. And so that's what I want to talk about. And there's, I'm sure there's more than what I'm going to be able to cover today, but there's a, there's a, there's a point um, that we'll be talking about. So let's get started here in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says, Repent therefore, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. He says, Repent therefore and be converted. You know, we talked about repent last week. We, this isn't, you know, we, we brought out Joel. It says it's about rending your, rending your heart, not your garment. It's not about how, how miserable you can feel about what you did yesterday. It's not about you condemning yourself for the mistakes that you've made in your life. 
It's, it's not about begging and pleading God for forgiveness. That's not, that's not repentance. But repentance is a heart that is consistently turned towards heaven. It's this daily thing. But he says here, repent, therefore, and be converted. Now, most of the time in our understanding, if we think of the word converted, we may think of, well, I change religions. Or I, I change. And, that, and, and it has to do with that. But this word converted... It, that the original Greek word here, the word converted, means to turn to worship. So it's repent and turn to worship. It's not just, it's not just okay, I repented and because I repented, I'm now a Christian and I'm converted. No, it's I repent, meaning I'm changing my direction, but I'm not just changing my direction, but I'm changing my focus. I'm changing from being self-focused to now I'm being God-focused. I'm changing from, from now being, uh, from being um, uh, earth-conscience to now I'm heaven-minded. It's repent, therefore, and be converted. So because I repented, therefore, I need to now change my focus. Because you can repent, but if you don't change your focus, you'll continue to live where you lived before. If I don't change my location up here, then I won't change anything about my life. So it's not just, it's not just repenting. It's not just this, this, hey, I'm changing my direction, but I've got to change my entire focus. Repent, therefore, be converted that your sins may be blotted out. It's interesting, the word blotted out here. Of course, it means, you know, okay, you know, you, now a lot of times we have like tile floor or wood floors, but you have rooms that have carpet and you have kids that, it's like they'll drink water, water everywhere, you know, they'll drink water, you know, on the hard floor, but somehow when they have Kool-Aid, it's like, I want to get to the. I want to, I want to, I'm going to drink it on the carpet. And all the moms said, amen. You know, I I remember I I tried to, I tried to clean up a mess because I was eating where I shouldn't have been eating. And, um. And I was like, you know, if I clean this up, my parents won't know. My first thought was, how can I move that fake tree in the corner and put it in the middle of the floor and and them not realize it's there? And so, and this was spaghetti. So, and it wasn't that big. It was just a little spot. So I went and got a rag and I'm, and I'm rubbing hard because I figured the harder I rubbed, the more it would come out. No, no. The spot went from this big to that big. I'm not sure what this has to do with my message. I, I wasn't planning on saying this, but yeah, I do. So, so the thing is then, then after my mom got home and saw where I had been eating, 
She's like, Justin Donald Bridges. I got the whole, now you know my middle name. So that's, you got the, I got the middle name. So it was like, oh, wow. And she was like, you, when you spill something, Justin, just blot it. Soak it up. Or tell me about it, and I can tell you what to do. But now, we have this big of a mess, and it could have been just contained here, and we could have worked with that. You know, we have to understand, the word blot here is not just forgiveness of sin. Now hear this, because this, some of you need to hear this this morning. This word blot out means not just forgiven of sin and pardoned from the sin, but it's erasing the guilt and shame that came with it. It's taking away the effects of it. It's taking away the torment of what your mistakes have produced in your life. So when he says repent, change your, change your direction. Now change your focus. As I change my focus, what happens? He deals with the shame. He deals with the shame. You see, see, as long as I'm focused on my situation in my life, the thing is, the enemy will constantly remind me of my shame. But he says, as you are converted, meaning you're turning to worship, so I'm, I'm turning to worship, why? So he can deal with everything that my past has done to me. Emotionally. In every part of my life. See, this has to do with, this, what does this have to do with desire? Everything. It's about keeping your focus on the, in the proper direction. Keeping your focus on the right things. And then he says this. He says, repent therefore be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that. So I need the guilt dealt with. I need the shame taken away for a purpose so that. Times of refreshing may come. From the presence of the Lord. As long as you're standing there during a church service tormented by your mistakes, you're not able to receive what He has for you. Long as you, many times you go to your prayer room and confess all the things that you've done and all the negative situations. If the thing is, if you're not turning to a place of worship, then 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 His His He can't come into the situation and give you a fresh perspective. So that times of refreshing may come from his presence. The word presence there, the, 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 actually the, the Greek word for the word presence means face. It means face. And so when I come, you know, I got a picture of this as I was praying over us this morning and, and just being in God's presence. You know, you know as, as having children and, and they're learning new things. They're learning, they're le- learning how to walk or they're learning how to do things for the first time. And, and it's amazing when they, they do something new that they haven't done before. And they do it. And what do they do? They look at you. One, it's like, am I going to get the look or am I going to get the smile? Am I going to get the look? Am I going to get that eye? <laughs> Or am I going to get a smile? See, that's what, when we go to his presence and his 
times of refreshing in His presence, it's God smiling on you. His presence. I, I wrote this definition that I read it from a, a, a different uh, one of a, a Greek writing, and it says this. Where did I put it? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. The refreshing which comes from the bright and smiling countenance of God to one that's seeking comfort. Meaning it's all of a sudden that when I'm in his presence, he's smiling on me, and all of a sudden it like... Because the moment that, that if it's your, your children walking for the first time and you're clapping, it's like they want to walk all day long. Why? Because they, they want... They want, that, they want the expression of, I'm pleased with you. And when we take our daily life and we turn to worship, it opens up access for his face to shine upon us. And what happens? Times of refreshing. Where are the times of refreshing? In his presence. The times of the... the times the times of the refreshing is the same phrase that's similar to what, we, what we've discovered about Adam and Eve. And it said that he walked with them in the cool of the day. It's the same understanding. The times are refreshing. You see, this whole aspect of me changing my direction and changing my focus is bringing, bringing me back to original purpose and original design. And that was to fellowship with my creator. So these times of refreshing isn't, isn't it is, it's restored purpose. Alex, it's restored purpose that, that now that because of Jesus fulfilled this, if I change my direction, I change my focus, then what happens is now I'm experiencing what Adam and Eve had, had the ability to experience when they walked with him in the garden. Man, isn't that amazing? But if you're not hungry for him, if you're not hungry for him, you're not going to change your direction. If you're not hungry for him, you're not going to change your focus. And if you don't eat, do either one of those things, then, then times of refreshing will always be out of reach. And you'll be like, why can't I just get rest? Why can't, why can't I get rid of this heaviness? Why can't I get, why can't this? Why can't that? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? No, just hunger for him. Go to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34. Another word for times of refreshing in the Greek is the word revival. Revival. I didn't keep reading there, but if you keep reading there, it talks about that this is what we'll do until Jesus returns. So you, you just make note of that, go back and read it, and it will talk about that this is what we do until Jesus comes back, until Jesus, until the, before the coming of Jesus. So this is how we're to live. It's not just a repentance of one moment I got born again, that's it. No, this is my lifestyle. Exodus chapter 33. I told you 34, but I want to pull something out here in 33 real quick. For the sake of time, let's look at verse, um, thank you, Father. I think it's 13. It says, Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, 
Show me now your way. Show me your way that I may know you. Show me your way that I might know you. You know, he's given us, he's given us a way. What is the way? Through Jesus? What is the way? It's through, it's through repentance. What is the way? It's through worship. And so as I operate in these things, he's given us a way. And, and my, my, my whole aspect of, of, of walking in this way is to do what? To cause me to know him. And that I might find grace in your sight. Do you need grace for your everyday life? I don't know about you, I do. But how am I going to operate that when I'm walking in the way? And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's, that's refreshing. Verse 15, then he said to him, if your presence does not go with me, go with us, do not bring us up from here. That's how important God's presence was, was to Moses. He cared less about the promised land and he, more, he cared more about God. He's like, God, he goes, he goes if, if you're not in the promised land, I don't want to go there. If you're not in the presence, if you're not in the, in the promise, I don't want to go there. Don't take me from here because I'd rather be in your presence than anywhere else. But oftentimes in our lives, his presence or church, the word prayer is the second thing. Verse 16, for now, for now then, when it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. Meaning, take, yeah, but it's you, it's you going with me that makes me distinguish. It's the only thing that makes a difference in my life is God, your presence on it. And you need to establish that in your heart. The only thing that's going to make a difference in your life, in your present and in your future is God being with you. So we shall be separate. We shall be separate. So we shall be separate. Your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Here he, here's Moses saying, so that we could be separate. But how often do we want to be like the world? But Moses said, so we could be separate. Your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So, that, so then the Lord said to Moses... I will, do also, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And then he said, please, show me your glory. You see, this, his, this was his heart cry. This was his hunger, meaning, God, I need your glory. I mean, he, I said this last week, he saw a burning bush that wasn't consumed. He saw all the plagues of Egypt. He saw the, the, the waters of, of, of the Red Sea part, and he walked through on dry land, but yet it still wasn't enough for him. He was, show me your glory. I refuse to be satisfied with just what God has done yesterday. How about you? Say, I'm hungry. Say, I'm hungry. Now, this is what I want to deal with. Let's look in verse 5 of Exodus 34. Now, this is God's response to Moses' declaration, show me your glory. Verse 5 says, 
Now the Lord descended in the cloud and he stood with him there. Wow. And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. Man, the the Lord descended in the cloud. You see, your hunger has the ability to get God to show up where you are. You see... I mean, the children of Israel, if you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 3, the children of Israel in bondage for, it was prophesied 400 years, but it ended up being 430 years. Why, why the extra, did God lie? Why the extra 30 years? Because they weren't, sat, they weren't, they weren't fed up with bondage yet. It took them another 30 years before finally they cried out to God. It took them another 30 years before they cried out to God and were like, God, we, we can't stand this. We know that we're your chosen people. We know this. And then all of a sudden, right at the beginning of Exodus chapter 3, uh, Moses sees the, sees the burning bush and, and God says, I believe it's verse 7, says, I've heard the cry of my people. And he goes, I will come down and I will deliver them. So what did God respond to? Their hunger, their cry. Verse 6, and the Lord passed before them and proclaimed. Now listen, this is what the Lord proclaimed. The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins. Stop there. Now think about this. This is what God said. This is what God declared. The Lord God, merciful. Man, what a resume. What a job description. God's saying, I'm here. And he's saying, I'm merciful. I'm gracious. I'm long-suffering. Thank the Lord for that. I'm abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and trespass and sin. Then he says, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and children into the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste, bowed his head towards the earth. And what did he do? He worshiped. And then he said, if I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people. And he says, what pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Wow. Do you know your God's inheritance? And he said, who said? God said, behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels. Now listen to this. Such has not been done in all the earth. I will do marvels. Such has not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. Nor in any nation, all the people among whom you are shall see the work. Meaning everyone around you is going to see the work of God. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. (laughs) Wow. He says it's an awesome thing that I'm going to do with you. Look at your neighbor and point to them and say, it's an awesome thing of what God's going to do with you. 
Mm. Wow. This is God's response to hunger. Thank you, Father. You and I are experiencing God right now in direct proportion to our hunger for Him. The most important thing in your life is not trying to answer the questions of who are you going to marry? Where are you going to college? What's your career? Hunger for God and let Him reveal these things in your life. Thank you, Father. Too often we are pressured or we pressure ourselves for answers that no one else has the question, the answers for. We allow the world to pressure us and we pressure ourselves to come up with things that only God can answer. It's not what's your next job, what's, where, you're, where you're supposed to move or what, who, what relationship should I be in. It's, it, it's not trying to pursue after these things. Because I know in my own life, Instead of answering, instead of pursuing God, I try to discover this, and then I want to make that a part of God. When in all reality, instead of asking, my question, asking myself this question, is this relationship going to draw me closer to God, or is it going to draw me farther away from God? Instead of pursuing Him and hungering Him, We try to figure out all these other things out instead of just pursuing him. What is God's response to our hunger? Let me read verse 6 again. And the Lord passed before him and the Lord proclaimed, The Lord God merciful. Verse 7 says, Keeping mercy. The response to our hunger is mercy. It's his love and compassion. Let's go to Isaiah 55. His mercy. Are you grateful for his mercy? Let's look at verse 1. You're not in any hurry, are you? Some of you. (laughs) Some of you are like, oh man, I don't know about this church. Verse 1 says, 
it's, it's an exclamation. And it's like, oh, it's like with an exclamation where he's like, you got you to gotta listen to this. This is important stuff, okay? Everyone who thirsts, come to the water and you have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. You see, see, pastor, it's all right if I get drunk. It's, I, I can come get the wine. It's, you got to understand, he, he deals with three things. He deals with water, he deals with wine, he deals with milk. One, one is salvation, the other is the Holy Spirit, and the other is the Word. And we, I might be able to elaborate those another, another week. But he says, so come. Come to the waters and you who have no and, and you who have no money come, meaning this is not on what you can. You have nothing in the natural that can can obtain this. Come buy and eat, meaning there's an exchange here. There's an exchange here that when you come, you're going to buy and you're going to eat. If you're buying something, that means there is something that has been spent. There's been something that's been exchanged for something else. He goes, yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Meaning, this is not something that, that, one, it's too costly. There's no price tag on this. It's nothing natural money can, can, can purchase. You can't purchase this with natural money. You can't purchase this with your goodness. You can't purchase this with, with your natural earthly good works. Verse 2, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? And think about that. We, we are pretty much raised, so to speak, on everything we're doing is about the almighty dollar. And I understand money makes the world go round, so to speak, but it should never be our pursuits. If I have the word of God, he supplies all my needs. Yes, we are a prosperity-believing church. He desires us to be rich, wealthy, as long as those things don't have us. Because if you don't have riches and you don't have finances, then you can't, be, uh, you can't be a, operate in the covenant of Abraham. And that's blessed to be a blessing. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Think about it. All, all the things that we do. And he says, and, and, and your wages for what does not satisfy. Everything. We're on this wheel, so to speak, constantly doing things, constantly performing, constantly going after things. But yet at the end of the day, it doesn't satisfy. I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. <laughs> Trying to find my personal worth, my personal value and in, in, in what people thought about me and, and, and uh, accolades and trophies and, and winning at this and doing good at that or, 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 or people trying to think well of me and all these things. And, and, but yet ultimately, at the end of the day, it doesn't truly satisfy. Because what, what happens is the next day you have to do it again. Then do it again. And then do it again. I know a lot of pastors that have shifted and totally changed their identity of churches all in the, in the sake of trying to please a demographic. And, and, what, I, and what I notice through a lot of them is, is if you don't continue to entertain people, if, if you got people by entertainment, they're going to have to keep them by entertainment. But if you get them by the word and you get them by the anointing, 
Till Osborne said this, he, 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 he would talk about giving and how do you get people to, to partner with you and all that. And he reached masses of people throughout, throughout Asia and throughout the world. And he's, he made this one statement. He goes, if you can heal someone's big toe, they'll send you around the world. Meaning don't focus on the money. Focus on what God's doing. Focus, give them Jesus, give them the Lord, give them the word, give them what God can do. And then what's gonna, they're going to send you. Don't try to manipulate people. All, all little rabbit trails this morning. And your wages for what does not satisfy. And he says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with, a covenant, a covenant with you. And what is it? The sure, sure mercies of David. Look at verse 5. Surely you shall call a nation that you, you do not know. And nations who do not know you shall run to you. See, the, as believers, we are, we are a nation and a group of people. Let's ask us, are people... Are they running to you or running away from you? Or are you running with them? See, that ultimately there needs to be this aspect of, of where, where people are running to us. Why? Because there's something in our lives that they can't get anywhere else, that can't be satisfied anywhere else. And nations do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. That's hunger. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. So what does that mean? Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the wicked seek a new way. If I'm forsaking one way, that means I'm going a new way. So let the wicked forsake his way. That goes back to repentance. Let's go back to changing your, changing your direction, changing your focus. Let the wicked seek a new way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So it's forsaking a way and it's forsaking thoughts. You know, people have taken the scripture and they'll say, you know, well, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than, than our thoughts, which is true. Thank the Lord. But what does it say? It says, let the unrighteous forsake his thoughts. So I need to forsake my thoughts so I can gain his thoughts. I have the ability to have his thoughts. I have the ability to know his ways. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have what? Mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You see, the response to our hunger is mercy. You see, while we were praising the Lord and worshiping, and, and you, 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 you sense, did you sense the presence of the Lord here? Maybe you sense the presence of the Lord when you drove on the property, and that's our heart, and that's our prayer. But I want you to ask yourself, what, 
Are you experiencing? You're experiencing his mercy. You can't separate the presence of God from the mercy of God and from the love of God. If you came up here to be prayed prayed for, it wasn't just Eric laying hands on you. Eric's not the healer. I'm not a healer. But what was happening? He was releasing the mercy of God. You came because there was something said. You responded because you had an expectation. But when you, when you came up here, then what happened? The love of God is flowing into your life. Well, I was praying for the people at the end of the service last week, and that's what the Lord, well, I was praying for him. He goes, this is what I want you to preach next week. Because I, I just prayed. I didn't pray for healing. All I just took their hands, and I just said, Lord, I release the mercy of God the love of God into their life and just watching just the presence of God coming on them. Thank you, Father. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Now just remember that thought. Mercy is God's response to our hunger. Okay? Before I read this, I want to just, some of you might be familiar with these scriptures. You can, if you're taking notes, if you go to Second Chronicles chapter 5, I think it's the last four verses. And if you go to Second Chronicles chapter 7, the first three verses. They were just building the temple and, and they said, they, they gathered 120 worshipers and praisers. And it said they all worshiped, they all sang with one accord. So what does that let us know? They had a hunger. They were worshiping God. And, and what did they say? They said, this is what they kept praising. This is what they kept saying. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. They kept saying, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. They kept saying, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And it said the glory of God came down in such a way where the priests and the ministers couldn't stand. What was happening? They were hungry and what happened? The glory of God came in. Well, what's the glory of God? We know what it was because Moses said, show me your glory. What did God say? He goes, I'll pass by with my goodness. But in verse 34, he says, says the one that's keeping mercy for a thousands. If you go to Second Chronicles 7, the first three verses, Solomon, it says, when Solomon finished praying, it said the glory of God came down. And they all started singing again. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I want that to be, I want you to get a revelation of what God's presence is, who he is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's look here in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to go to a couple places here, but I just want to start with verse 1. It says, so as it was, as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God. There was two things they were hungry for. To see Jesus and to hear the word of God. They were hungry. How do I know that? They pressed. 
They pressed. You don't press for something you don't want. They pressed. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. Hear the word of God. That's, that's what I want my heart to be hungry for. Like, when I'm not preaching, or it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. I don't have to be the one preaching. Amen. I'm determined to, I want to hear the word of God. They were hungry. Let's look at verse 12. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And that shared this with me, with, this with me the other day as we were talking about some things and I felt like I need to bring this out. A man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored, implored, him, implored, him, implored him. Easy for me to say. If you look at Matthew chapter 8 and his account, Matthew says he bowed down and he worshipped him. Man. man. A man full of leprosy fell on his face and implored him. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What caused him to bow on his face, Joseph? What caused him to beg him or, you know, the, the word show me your glory when in the, in the King James it says, I beseech thee, Lord, show me your glory. That was, I beg you, show me your glory. And here we see this man full of leprosy that he shouldn't even be in public, but yet he, he bows down his face and implores him. He goes, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What, what were we seeing? We're seeing a man full of leprosy was hungry for something more. Some for hungry for something greater. And verse 13 says, Then he put out his hand. Jesus put out his hand, touching him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him. The word willing here, and some of you heard me preach this years back. The word willing here is a Greek word, thelo. And it speaks of desire. The greatest Greek phrase for this word, I will or I'm willing, is this. It's what I like to do. And Jesus is saying, I will. Jesus is saying, this is what I like to do. This is why I came here. Why? Because what we're having, we see a guy's hunger and all of a sudden we see Jesus who is mercy. We see Jesus who is the earthly, he is the, he is the visible of the invisible. Colossians 1 and Hebrews chapter 1 tells us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So if I would believe, I then receive mercy. He, he bowed his head to the ground and said, I know you, I know you can, but I don't know if you're willing. Jesus says, mercy is willing. This is what I like to do. This is what I desire to do. So mercy is always the response to our hunger. Let's look at verse 15. It says, however, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him. 
They came together. Great multitudes came to be to hear and to be healed. Man, think in our new campus over there off of off of Hewland that will build that will hold twelve to fifteen hundred seats. People just wanting to come in. Why? Because they need to hear and to be healed. You going out in the streets, why? Because they need to hear and to be healed. But it was a great multitude to be healed by him of their infirmities. Verse 16, so he himself often withdrew in the wilderness and prayed. So Jesus, what? He went to go worship. Why? Because Jesus was hungry. And he had to get filled up with mercy. So then he could come out and he could release mercy. I think that's a whole other message in itself. But Let's look at verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. To heal them. So the power of the Lord was present to heal. But yet no one was getting healed. Because there's a difference between curiosity and hunger. The Pharisees were just curious. The Pharisees just wanted to see if they could catch him in the lie. So... Then behold, men... Brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in to lay before him. They sought. This speaks of hunger. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on a housetop and let him down in his bed. See, this all speaks of desire and hunger. Through the tiling in the midst before Jesus, and when he saw their faith, you will not have faith apart from desire. If you have no desire, you will have, not, you will have no faith. Little desire produces little faith. You say, how can you say that, Pastor? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. If I have no substance, then I don't have faith. Desire is what fuels my faith. When he saw their faith. But what did he see? He saw their hunger. He saw their desire. And he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. You see, mercy responded to hunger. Go to John 9. And I think I'll close with this. His mercy. Father, we are so grateful for your mercy. Every miracle that you see Jesus doing is God's mercy manifesting in their lives. You and I, we are mercy going somewhere to happen. Let's look at verse 1. There's no way I can re- read all 56 verses here. But 
Verse 1 says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man. He passed by, he saw a man. Now, remember, Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. He only went where the Father told him to go. So as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And there's all sorts of wrong theology here. You know, in, in this statement, they believe in reincarnation. Because he was born blind, then he must have done something in a previous life. So who sinned? So, so they were equating bad things with sin. And if you're not careful, you'll look at things that the enemy has done in your life and you'll try to equate them to God. Now, a lot of you know the story. Jesus heals the man. It was on the Sabbath day. You know what? Kenny, you can't heal blind men on Sabbath days. It's just wrong. God doesn't like that. And so there's this long argument. All of a sudden, Jesus is gone. He slipped through the crowd. They're having a conversation with this blind man. He tells them the story. Hey, he told me to do this. He put mud on his eyes. And some people believe, and, and the guy's name, when historians believe this guy's name was Celadonis, the blind guy. And Josephus writes that it was even more of a miracle than what we understand because the guy just wasn't blind, but he actually had no eyes. That's, that's, that's historical thinking. I'm not, it's not here in Scripture, so I'm not going to base it on that. But, but this was a miracle that a man had been born blind. And so he tells him, yeah, he took clay and he spit on the ground. He put it in my eyes. He told me to go watch, wash in this river. He goes and does it. He comes back. I'm healed. Praise the Lord. So they keep going. And then they, then they go to the parents. And they're like, well, I, I think... I think, you know, something's not right here. You know, this is wrong and so forth. And, and parents, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're not sure what to do because they said if anyone believes in Jesus, then you can't go to the synagogue. And they didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue because after all, we have to go to the, to the synagogue where nothing's happening. <laughs> they're more interested in being in a building instead of being with him. They didn't want to lose. We couldn't be in the synagogue. So, they, so they're like, well... They threw the son under the bus. Well, ask, ask him. He, he's of age, meaning he's an adult. Why are you asking the parents? Ask, ask, ask him. And so finally, he, he gets fed up. He goes, just read this. I love the word of God. Verse 26. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Man. Hey, when all of a sudden you can see, you have a lot more boldness. Then Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, why? This is a marvelous thing that you don't know where he is from, yet he's opened my eyes. Now, now listen to this. 
I want you to read this next statement because this now gives us the blind man's testimony that this man's testimony had nothing to do with, with his, his, his breakthrough was more than just a sovereign act. It wasn't just something Jesus passed by that way for a purpose. Why? Because the father said, I see hunger. I see hunger. I see hunger. See, we're going to get a little bit of insight here in just a moment in, in a blind man's pursuit. And we can allow different things in our life and, and sense a, a feeling of defeat because of what we're going through. But listen to what this blind man says. Verse 31. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. Now I'm not saying that's... I'm, he's, not, he's not preaching doctrine here, Okay? Because I'm so grateful he heard me. There's, there's something a little more than what he's referring to here. And I don't have time to talk about it. But listen, this, was, this is his testimony. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, his will, he hears him. What does this let me know? That the blind, saying, blind man is saying... I was a worshiper whether I was blind or not. God responded to my worship. God responded to my hunger. We don't know how old this man is. But we, we, we've got to know somehow, because he's speaking from personal experience. He's, he, he's talking about, well, we know that God doesn't he, hear sinners, but, but, yet, but yet we know he answers worshipers. And I'm standing here as a living example that God's mercy responded to my worship. God's mercy responded to my worship on that day. When Jesus passed by, mercy stopped and said, there's a worshiper. There's a worshiper. There's a worshiper there. There's a worshiper there. And this was on the Sabbath day. So maybe this blind man was worshiping God. He was worshiping God and God is saying, hey, I need to respond with mercy. Let's not let our infirmities, our past hinder our worship. Let's allow our worship to get rid of everything else that this natural world could wrap around us, keep us in bondage with his mercy. But if anyone is a worshiper in God and does his will, he hears him. Verse 32, since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Man, you don't need, you don't need to have a degree to preach the gospel. You don't need to be a Pharisee to preach. Man, he's preaching the gospel right here. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin and are in teaching to us. So they cast him out. You see, you got to understand he was an outsider while he was blind. And when he got healed, he became an outsider. Now, now, now we don't want you in church. He 
He could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born. They cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when mercy found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you now. Then he said, now listen, Lord, I believe. And what happened? And he worshiped him. Hey! Woo! And he worshiped him. And he worshiped him. And he worshiped him. You, you, you worship him before your miracle and you worship him after your miracle. Hallelujah. You worship when, when everything is not going good and you worship him when everything is going. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Why? Because mercy is going to manifest in your midst. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Woo. Hallelujah. Mm. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Tommy, come here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. I don't know if you've ever prayed this prayer before, but when you were praying, when you were playing your guitar today, you released a healing anointing in this place. And with the enemy for evil, God's going to turn around for good. And, and, and your ability... And your ability to play is going to be double than what it is right now. And I'm saying this because this, isn't, this, is, a, this is a confirmation to what you have prayed and asked God for. Thank you, Father. Mercy. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. This lady's leaving for Africa this week to Kenya, ministering to pastors. Father, I thank you that she will be a carrier of mercy. She'll be a carrier of mercy. That the mercy of God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. The mercy, the mercy of God. Oh, your mercy. Your mercy. Oh, where would we be without his mercy? worship him let his glory sit on you for a moment
you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. want you to do this across the aisles, but in your row, I want you to put your hand on the person next to you on their shoulder or take their hand, whatever you're comfortable with, but not across the aisle. Eric and Nikki, I want you to come here. Thank you, Father. Annette, can you come here? Pastor Phil, did you and Pastor Diane, if you can, I'm going to want you to go down the aisle, and I want you to just take the hand of each person on that side. Eric and Nikki, I want you to go down this aisle. Joseph and Charlene, if you can go down that aisle. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just wait a second just for instruction. No, you can go. Just wait for instructions. No, just wait for instructions. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Alex and Azanel. I want you to do the overflow. And what I want you to do is Danny continues to minister. I just want you to take each hand and just each hand and just release the mercy of God. That as they leave today, that they will just the mercy of God would just flood them in a fresh way. And that whatever's wrong is being made right. If they've been far from God, there will be just the Holy Spirit conviction that will just come upon them. And they'll say, I need this Jesus. Hallelujah. Just, just on the, we're just touching the hands on the aisle. Hallelujah, Pastor Phil, Diane. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship. Just worship the Lord and just receive. for your mercy. Your mercy would flow fresh through them and in them. The mercy of God. That your mercy would become so real to them. Your mercy that they would be overwhelmed by the love of God and the mercy of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, so. Oh, thank you, Father, for refreshing Thank you for fresh vision, new vision, new insights, fresh dreams. Thank you, Father. 
Hallelujah. That whatever the enemy has stolen from them emotionally, in any way, Lord, will be restored to them. Lord, I thank you for restoring everything that the enemy has stolen. Oh, Father, I speak newness. I speak newness in you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for the mercy of God. Oh, hallelujah. Your mercy, your mercy, your mercy. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. Oh, release mercy. Oh, Father, this is a hungry people today. Oh, and we're getting more and more hungry, more and more hungry. Hallelujah. Blessed are those that hunger now, for they shall be filled. Oh, that as we leave here, we're filled with mercy. We're filled with mercy. 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 Saturate with mercy. Overwhelm with mercy. Oh, comfort with mercy. Healing with mercy. Renewed by mercy. Hallelujah. Comforted with mercy. Strengthened with might in their inner man because of mercy. Hallelujah. I declare that they would be strengthened with all might in their inner man. Hallelujah. They'd be strengthened with all might in their inner man. And then they they would know the length and the depths and the heights of your love. And they would know, they would know the love of God, the mercy of God that passes knowledge that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. I thank you that they leave here today filled with fullness, overwhelmed by mercy, overwhelmed by your kindness. Thank you, Father. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Let your mercy We're free to worship We're free to praise We're free to worship We're free to praise Oh mercy, mercy, mercy Mercy, mercy, mercy Free to worship Mercy, mercy, mercy Mercy Your mercy. I can say oh. I'm free to worship, free to praise because of mercy. Hallelujah. I'm free to worship, free to praise because of mercy. I'm free to worship, free to praise because of your mercy. I'm free to worship, free to praise. Thank you for your mercy over this property, over our community, over all of our local schools. We thank you for your mercy over our children's departments, our preteens departments and youth, all of our leaders, all of our service teams.
those that serve throughout this and throughout the weeks that are a part of this and that make this campus what it is. Lord, I just thank you for your mercy. And we rejoice in your mercy today. I'm so grateful for it. We're hungry, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him a shout of praise as Eric springs up.